Uh, now, church, um, today's word will be, will be brought to us uh, by someone who's definitely no stranger to some of us. Um, his name is Martin Fong, and I'd like to invite him up now. Hello. Hello, Martin. It's so good to see you back at GCC. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's really good. Yeah, it's, um, it's been a while, so maybe why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and how you, how you know us? Yep. Well, I'm currently studying at Bible College, studying at Moore Theological College. I finished my first year there, and I'll, I'll be studying there for four years, so three more years to go. And then afterwards, I'll do something in full-time Christian ministry, might become a pastor, might go back to university ministry where I was serving before. Haven't figured that out yet, but God is good, and I trust that He'll be working through me. Um, my connection with Grace Christian Church was from... Maybe 2008 or so, when Jolene and Sandra invited me to youth group, youth in the house. It was really fun. I remember lots of good times, um, drinking a lot of soy sauce, uh, <laughs> Joe stuffing his, his mouth with all these marshmallows, trying to fit as many as he could in his mouth. Um, really good times, studying God's word together and praying together. Got connected with Gap 56 and a grace group as well. Um, yeah, so lots of good history with Jesus C. That's, that's awesome. Youth in the house, that's, that's where it all happens. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and look at that. And, you know, he's on Bible college. He's one of our own. That's just awesome, man. So proud to see that. Um, so how, I guess, how has COVID affected, you know, it's good to hear at Bible college and, and you're a year into it. How, how has COVID, I guess, affected that, you know, mm. in the last year? And how have you seen God work through that? Yeah. Well, we were, I was at college for seven weeks in person and then the pandemic happened. Everything got moved online. I was living on the student accommodation at college and they strongly encouraged us to move back to my parents or our parents' places. So I moved back to my parents' place, lived with them, did college online um, and we were yeah, studying online until July or so. Yeah, I think in terms of studying, it was okay. I, I work relatively well by myself, but in terms of the human connection, that was really lacking. I felt like I wasn't really connecting with my, my friends, my fellow students, with the rest of the, with the staff, um, and that was really missed. When we moved back in person in July, it was, it was so refreshing. We still had to do things like social distancing, encourage to wear masks, wipe down the tables, uh, but it was so good to be back in person, learning from, from one another um, in person, chatting about things, and being able to pray with one another and share life was really good. Yeah, that's excellent. And definitely, um, you know, that, that heal human connection mm. thing. And I think, I don't know about you guys, but I've, I've definitely felt that as well, even coming back physically at church and just seeing yeah, people right, again yeah. and, and doing that, that connection. So that's awesome. Well, um, definitely looking forward to, to what you have to share, for, to, uh, share with us today. Mm. So I'll let you have the lecture. Mm, thanks. I have a friend who's struggling with his faith. He went to church regularly as a kid. He knows the gospel. He knows about Jesus' death and resurrection. But it's hard for him to be a Christian. He thinks that living for the world is so attractive. For him, it's, it's so much easier not to be a Christian. See, if you're not a Christian, you don't have rules tying you down. You can swear and lie. You don't have to make sacrifices. You can live life however you want. 
Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like Christianity is a rule book? Have you ever been jealous of those who seem to live a much freer life? There are many of us who have felt that way, and some of us here right now might even be feeling that. But we're not alone. Even around 3,000 years ago, we have someone writing about that. And that's what we'll look at today the journey of a man who trusted God, yet he looked out into the world and was tempted to live like them instead. Before we read that, I'll lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time when we can gather together, when we can read your word and we can think and understand it. And we pray that by your spirit, you'd help us to understand it clearly. Help us to see what it means and what it means for our lives. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Today we're looking at Psalm 73. So let's get out our Bibles. You might remember Pastor Joe encouraged us last week to make use of our Bibles. So I won't have the passage up on the screen, but it would be great to have Psalm 73 open in your physical Bible or in your app. I'll put, and I'll also put up on the screen an outline of the talk. Psalm 73 is a poem uh, by a man named Asaph. And so I'll take us through Asaph's story. I'll explain how Asaph's story is our story too, and what that means for us. Psalm 73, we're going to be referring to this passage quite a bit. It's written by Asaph, and Asaph trusted God. Yet he looked out into the world, and he was tempted to live like them instead. I'll read Psalm 73 for us right now from the NIV, Psalm 73. A Psalm of Asaph. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is the necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From the callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground, you cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? 
and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Psalm 73 is a poem by a man named Asaph. So let me tell you the story of Asaph. Picture Asaph. He's a musician around King David's time, 1000 BC. He knows God personally, and he helps others worship God too. He's the Old Testament of your worship leader, the Mel or Ali from 3,000 years ago. So you'd expect him to trust God wholeheartedly. You'd expect the one who worships God and writes songs of praise to trust God with everything. Does he? Let's read verses 1 to 3 to figure it out. From verse 1, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me... My feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. We're right. He does trust God. We saw it in verse 1. Asaph recognizes that God is good. But then in verses 2 and 3, we see a problem. Asaph's feet almost slip. His trust in God seems like it's about to fail. It seems like it's about to fail because he looks out into the world and he sees the prosperity of the wicked. He sees that evil people are successful. They're enjoying life. And that's what he writes more about in verses 4 to 12. I'll read from verse 4. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, are they gone amassing wells. Wealth. Asaph looks out into the world and sees the great success of evil people. Life seems so good for them. Verse 4, they have no struggles. They're carefree, they're healthy. Verse 5, they don't worry about life or illness. But there's more. Verse 6, they're proud, they're arrogant. Verse 7, their hearts are callous, they're sinful, they're evil. And they're so arrogant Verse 9 talks about them laying claim to heaven and earth. They think they're so good that they own everything. In verse 11, they think they're better than God. Asaph sees all these evil people enjoying life, and he summarizes it in verse 12. This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. You can see how hard that can be for Asaph, can't you? He looks out into the world and he sees all these evil people living life however they want, and they seem to be rewarded for it. 
the murderer gets away with murder, the cheater gets away with cheating, the boaster boasts freely, and there seems to be no punishment. They get rich instead. Life is good. Life is good for the wicked. So Asaph wonders whether he should give up on doing good. After all, if doing evil lets you live a good life, what's the point in doing good? That's the problem he raises in verses 13 to 15. Let's have a look at verses 13 to 15. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. Asaph is becoming desperate. He wonders in verse 13 whether what he's been doing has been in vain. Maybe doing good was pointless. But it doesn't only seem pointless. Doing good seems like it's harmful to him. Verse 14, innocence leads to affliction. Doing good seems to lead to being punished. It's as if there's no point at all in doing what is right. But even though he doesn't understand it fully at this point, he recognizes that there's something wrong with this logic. I think Asaph is saying in verse 15, if I really said that doing good was pointless and led to punishment, I would be betraying God's people. Asaph realizes there's something wrong with this logic, so he tries to understand it. We see that in verses 16 and 17. Verses 16 and 17. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Asaph sees that evil people living successful lives is such a big problem. So what is he going to do? Well, he has an epiphany, a big light bulb moment. It happens when he enters the sanctuary of God. Now, Asaph is a Jew in 1000 BC, and the Jewish temple was where the Jews would worship God. And it's here in the temple that he figures it out. He has an epiphany. He sees the final destiny of the wicked. What's that final destiny? God will judge the wicked. God doesn't let the wicked enjoy their lives forever. God will judge the wicked. Asaph writes more about this judgment in verses 18 to 20. Look with me at verses 18 to 20. Surely you placed them on slippery ground, you cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. God doesn't let the wicked enjoy their lives forever. God is a God of justice, and he will bring that justice. Verse 18, he cast these evil people to ruin. Verse 19, they're destroyed. Verse 20, their lives are fleeting, like dreams and fantasies. Despite how successful these evil people are now, they will be judged by God. It will be utter destruction. So what will Asaph do? He will remain with God. Asaph will remain with God. Asaph then pauses and reflects on how he was feeling a moment ago, 
how he was feeling when he looked out into the world and saw the success of evil people. He writes about that past experience in verses 21 and 22. From verse 21, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Asaph realizes that during this time, when he saw the wicked going unpunished, when his heart was grieved and his spirit embittered, that was a time of ignorance. He was ignorant to the final destiny of the wicked. So ignorant that he said he was like an animal, a brute beast. And so he realizes that now is the time to remain with God. In light of the big picture, in light of God's coming judgment, now is the time to remain with God. That's what he writes about in verses 23 to 26. I'll read from verse 23. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Asaph realizes that now is the time to remain with God. Verse 23, God holds him by his right hand. It makes me think of a parent taking their child's hand and walking them across the road. Verse 24, God guides Asaph by his counsel. And what's the result of that? Well, still verse 24, God will take Asaph into his glory. The wicked will be cast down to ruin, but Asaph will be with God forever in glory. It's the beautiful ending, eternity with God, glory forever. Asaph still knows that in the meantime, remaining with God is hard. That's what this whole psalm is about after all. It's hard in verse 26. Asaph's flesh and his heart may fail. Life on earth is broken. But God is his strength. God is there for him forever. Asaph's conclusion is summarized well in verses 26 and 27. Oh, sorry, 27 and 28. The final two verses. Those who are far from you will perish, and you destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. And that's the story of Asaph. You know, Asaph's story isn't just his own story. Asaph's story is a story of a faithful person who looked out into the world and saw the success of the wicked. In their wickedness, they enjoyed life. And he wondered whether he should just give in and live like them as well. He wondered why he was trying so hard to do what was right. It's a story that so many people resonate with. And that's because the problem he presents is such a real one. We, we know God is good. We know we should stick with him. But we look out into the world and we see the wicked prospering. And we wonder too whether we should just give in and live like them instead. We saw it as little kids when the schoolyard bully got away with their bullying. The cheater who wasn't punished did well without putting in the hard work. A few years later, in high school, similar things happened. One of my youth group boys was talking about how his friends say the cool thing is watching porn and objectifying women. Sexual immorality is rewarded, not punished. 
We saw it at uni when those who party hard, get drunk, swear, and gossip—they seem to be living the life. In the workplace, the backstabbing colleague gets promoted. In world politics, we sometimes see corrupt leaders, and their arrogance is rewarded with power. Evil people are often successful. It was true in Asaph's day, and as we look out into the world, we see that it's often true today too. And we too wonder whether it's worthwhile doing what is right. We might think, like Asaph thought in verses 13 and 14, "Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure, and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishment." And we too wonder whether we should just give in. Maybe we should live like the world does, and life could be great. So what will you do? Will you give in to the world? You might remember that Asaph was really troubled by this, and then he had a big turning point. He entered the temple and understood the big picture. He was reminded of God's truth. It was in verses 16 and 17. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply, till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. I found that turning point really interesting. He's so troubled by the success of these evil people, but then something happens. He enters the temple and he understands. And I think that can be a big lesson for us too. When we immerse ourselves in the world, we can be overwhelmed by it. Our hearts become troubled. We are tempted to give in, and that's why it's so important for us to keep meeting together and being reminded of God's truth. It's important to keep meeting together and reminding ourselves of God's truth. You and I have seen some people stop doing that. We've seen people drift away from church and give in to the world. They start living life as if they never knew God. They stop calling themselves Christian. They've given in to the world. On the flip side, we've seen our Christian friends persevere through hard times by being encouraged by their brothers and sisters each week. They end, they're, they're reminded of God's truth. They're reorientated to God, and the result is that they end up remaining with God. Asaph needed to be reminded, and we need to be reminded too. So let that be an encouragement to all of us to keep coming to church, keep coming here physically, or watching the talks online, keep meeting with God's people, keep reading the Bible, and being reminded of God's truth. It helps us to see the big picture. It'll help us to see what really is true. Now, what is that truth that we need to see? Well, it's that God will judge the wicked. God will judge the wicked. Asaph described this judgment quite poetically. It was in verses 18 to 20. Surely you place them on slippery ground; you cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed! Completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. That's a pretty broad picture of God's judgment. Now I wonder, do we have a bit more detail about what God's judgment might look like? We're living three thousand years after Asaph wrote Psalm seventy-three. We're living after Jesus' death and resurrection. 
yes, with, with the New Testament, we do have a bit more detail about what that judgment would look like. So I want, us to take, uh, I want to take us to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, please turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. And while you're flicking there or finding it in your Bible app, I'll explain what's happening in this part of the Bible. The Apostle Peter, he's speaking to some Gentiles about salvation. Peter has come to realize that salvation isn't based on whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, but it's based on Jesus. It's based on trusting Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. We'll look now at Acts chapter 10, verses 34 to 41. It's one of the clearest explanations of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. I'll read verses 34 to 41 for us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened through the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, they killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. It's a big passage. We learn lots about Jesus here. Verse 38 teaches us about his life. Jesus was a man anointed by the Spirit and with power. He did good works. He healed people. Verse 39 explains Jesus' death. He was killed by being hung on a cross. Verse 40, God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus is alive. Verse 41, there were witnesses to Jesus after his resurrection. This is Jesus, the one who lived, died, and rose again. But that's not all. He's also the judge. I'll read verse 42, Acts chapter 10, verse 42. He, that's Jesus, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Remember, we've been talking today a lot, a lot today about evil people being successful, but that God would judge them. Asaph recognized that God will judge he recognized that God would cast them down to ruin. And this verse explains how. God will judge everyone, both the living and the dead, through Jesus. See, there is a day when Jesus will return. That's judgment day. A day when Jesus will judge the living and the dead. Those who have done what is good, who have trusted in Jesus, will have eternal life. But those who have done evil will be cast down to ruin. God will judge the wicked. God will judge the wicked through his son, Jesus. And that will happen when Jesus returns. And understanding that helps us to not give in to the world when we see the success of evil people. This evil lifestyle of living for ourselves will end in judgment. So even though it might be so tempting now, we see how terrible that sort of life will end. 
I want you to imagine something with me. I want you to imagine a person. Let's call her Lying Letitia. Lying Letitia doesn't know God, but she's a successful businesswoman. She's become successful by being deceptive. She lies on her resume and she lies to her seniors. She fudges the numbers for her clients. She isn't honest in her tax return. So she's successful. She has a lot of money. She has a nice car, house, nice cars, and would go overseas multiple times a year, at least before COVID happened. Don't you wish you had that sort of lifestyle? Let's picture someone else. Popular Pierre. Popular Pierre doesn't know God, but he has lots of friends. He parties hard. He gets drunk every weekend, and he sleeps around. His friends laugh at him when he makes jokes about Scomo and Trump, and he always seems to be happy. Don't you want to be happy? I do. I wish I had a lot of money. I wish I was popular. But lying Letitia and popular Pierre don't know God. They live in wickedness, and they will be judged by Jesus. Unless they repent and trust in Jesus, they are destined for eternity separated from God. They are destined for hell. And as we think about their final destiny, we now want to put ourselves as far as we can from that sort of life. Don't give in to the wickedness of the world; it leads to judgment. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be successful or have nice things, or have lots of friends or be happy. I know lots of godly Christians who are successful. I know lots of godly Christians who do have nice things, who have lots of friends, who, have, who are happy. But what I am saying is not to give in to the wickedness of the world. See, when we do what is wrong, it's a sign of our rebellion, rebellion against God. But it's not just that; it hardens our heart toward towards God. Against God, and it could lead down a dangerous road, where we stop trusting in God. Giving in to the wickedness of the world leads us down a dangerous road, where we stop trusting God. There might be times where you have given in. I'm not proud of it, but there have been times when I've done the wrong thing, like lying to Letitia and popular Pierre. Like lying to Letitia, when I was an engineering student, I once slipped a lie in my interview. To try to get a job, like popular Pierre, I've made fun of people to get people to like me. Shame on me! But God gives us grace. I need to be reminded of that. And if you've given in, I want you to remember that grace too. He lets us repent and turn back to Him. And knowing God's grace to us helps us not to give in to the world next time. So don't give in to the world. Knowing the final destiny of the wicked helps us not to. Knowing the final destiny of the wicked helps us to not give in to the world. What are we to do instead? We need to remain with God, and for us, that looks like trusting in Jesus. Trusting in Jesus. Hopefully, you still have Acts chapter ten open. We'll now look at verse forty-three. Acts chapter ten, verse forty-three. All the prophets testify about him. That's Jesus. That everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Forgiveness of sins through his name, through Jesus' name. That's what happens for those who believe in Jesus. It's great news for all of us. 
We've all sinned and we all deserve judgment, but those who believe in Jesus will be forgiven. That's fantastic news for me, and that's fantastic news for you too. So let me ask you a question. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that you've sinned and you deserve judgment, but that you are saved through Jesus? Have you turned away from wickedness and decided to live for Jesus instead? If the answer isn't a, a yes, then why not? You've heard the reality that God will judge the wicked through Jesus. You've heard that you and I are deserving of judgment. You've heard the good news that those who, are, who trust in Jesus are forgiven. So let me encourage you to really trust in Jesus. He is the only way out of judgment. And if you recognize that there's some truth in this message, but you're not sure if you can trust in Jesus yet, keep coming to church. Keep watching the live stream. This is where we learn about God's truth. This is where we aren't overwhelmed by the word, but we are reorientated to God instead. And chat to me or to Joe or to a trusted Christian friend. We'd love to help you to learn more about Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? Perhaps you have a different answer. Perhaps you once would have said yes, but now you're not so sure. Perhaps you are like Asaph. You trusted God and then you looked out into the world and you attempted to live in wickedness instead. And maybe you, you have given in to temptation. Maybe you haven't held your ground, but you've intentionally turned away from God. If that's you, then I have a warning and an encouragement. Here's the warning. You're in a dangerous place. You've turned away from God, and if you keep turning away from God, if you stay where you are, you'll experience the judgment of God. It'll be eternity in hell. But this is the encouragement. Forgiveness is available. If you turn back to Jesus, you will be forgiven. It doesn't matter how far you've gone, and I mean that. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. If you truly trust in Jesus, you will be forgiven. It's the utterly amazing promise we saw in Acts chapter 10, verse 43. All the prophets testify about him, Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So that's what we are to do in the meantime. Trust in Jesus. Whether your answer before was a yes, a no, uh, I once said yes, but I'm not sure now. This is what we're to do. We're to trust in Jesus, knowing that there's forgiveness of sins in his name. Trust in Jesus, knowing that Jesus will return to judge. He will judge those who have done evil and cast them down to ruin. But those who trust in Jesus will be forgiven, so they will have eternity with him. Jesus will take them to eternal glory. As, as Asaph writes in Psalm 73, verses 27 and 28, those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Friends, Maybe Asaph's story is your story right now. Maybe you're struggling with your faith. 
Maybe you look out into the world and see evil people being successful, and you're tempted to give in. I hope as you came to, to church today, you've been able to see the bigger picture. Like Asaph, I hope you, will, you understand that God will judge the wicked. God will judge the wicked through his son, Jesus, who will one day return to judge. So let us remain with God. Let us trust in Jesus. Let us keep trusting Jesus, knowing that there's forgiveness of sins in his name, that there is eternal glory for those who trust in him. God is good. Let's keep trusting Jesus. I'll lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, you know us and you know our hearts and you know our struggles. You know how hard it can be for many of us when we look out into the world and see all these evil people being successful. Father, thank you that you reminded us today of your truth, that you've told us about your judgment, that you don't let the wicked uh, remain wicked and enjoy life forever. Thank you that you are a God of justice, and thank you that you will send Jesus, um, and that he will one day return and judge the whole world. Father, we pray that in the meantime, you'd help us to keep trusting you, keep tr Help us to keep trusting in Jesus. Help us to know the goodness of that and to live it out. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.